Hey everyone, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Just a quick note before today's episode. This summer, we're completing our series of introduction videos with our final season of filming, and we still need to raise about $30,000 to cover those costs, and we would love you to help us with that. And you can do that by visiting the Spoken Gospel website and clicking on Donate. And by doing that, you can contribute to bringing books like the Book of Revelation to life. And whether that's through a one-time gift or a monthly donation, your support makes all the difference in the world. So thank you so much and enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Seth, how are you? I'm so excited. You're so excited. Jonah 2. Jonah 2. In the belly of the fish. Let's go. I'm, I mean, I'm just really excited. I'm excited too. There's some. We got some mythical things to talk about today. We, mythical is the right word. Yeah. Uh, so Jonah 2, yeah. as we've said a, a couple times, the book of Jonah is not about a fish. Yep. But this next chapter takes place inside the belly of the fish. Mm. And the fish and Jonah are about more than a fish in Jonah. Oh, okay. I mean, Jesus tells us this. Okay. Because he said it is a sign ah. that points to him. Okay. But it's all a good right, place to start. So it's a good place to start. Jesus tells us that it's more about a fish and then and more about Jonah. It's about Jesus. Mm. But it's also about Israel and her place in God's plan for the universe. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds so, fun. I'm excited. That's good. Well, we want to also welcome our YouTube audience. Uh, Hello again. Yeah, we uh, we are streaming this one on YouTube as well. Normally, it's just me and Seth in a room with no cameras around. Mm-hmm. But no. to celebrate half a million downloads of the Spoken Gospel podcast, we are deciding to uh, air this four-part episode, four-episode part, four-part series. That's the word the I'm looking series. for on the Book of Jonah. So we're thankful you're here. Also thankful for all of you listening on the podcast. Um, so Jonah has mm-hmm. just been swallowed by a fish. fish, not a whale, not a whale, a fish, a fish. Okay, um, and he prays from the depths. Yeah. So most of chapter two is a prayer. It's him praying to God for what seems like some sort of salvation. Yeah, it kind of could feel like a complaint. Mm-hmm. in a lot of the words that he uses, but it's really just very psalm-like. There's a yeah. lot of psalms. He even quotes one. He quotes from Psalm 42, 7. Um, um, he, he, your billows and your waves have passed over me. That seems appropriate. It's, it looks like it, it literally <laughs> happened to me. It's, I'm, I'm reading the book of Psalms, God, and I'm in it. I'm there. Literally. Did he not take metaphorically. His, did he take his thin line NIV pocket Bible with yeah. him? I would assume he memorized it as, even as a faithless prophet of God, he, he memorized he that one. <laughs> but yeah, it kind of just feels like a psalm. He's describing yeah. his woes to God. Yeah. like, And he is crying from the belly of Sheol, right. which is a way of talking about the realm of the dead. Okay. Belly of death. 
Whoa. Um, We've already opened up so many categories. Yeah, there's a lot here. So it's a psalm yep. about his predicament in the belly of the fish. It's more. That's about more than being in the belly of the fish. Okay. So let's let's back up for a second yeah. and say how he got here. Okay. Because how he got here and what's now happening seem very disjointed to me. Okay. Because if if you listen to the last episode, we talked about how Jonah is not the good guy in this story. That yeah. he was running from the voice of God, did not want God to show mercy to those whom God wanted to show mercy to, um, was passive for taking blame for the storm on the boat, mm-hmm. and then maybe even was asked to be thrown into the sea, not out of um, altruism, but even maybe he was suicidal. He would rather have died than yeah. to have seen Assyria saved. Yeah. And all of a the sudden, then, he's this paragon of faith, praying from the belly of a fish and having all this faith in God, and what? Well, I mean, just because somebody prays doesn't make them a great person. There's no atheists in foxholes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's... I mean, you're right. Wait, I thought he was this terrible person. Right. Why is he praying? Right. I think that's a legitimate point to people who want to paint Jonah a little bit more positively. Hmm. Don't we have him saying at the end of this prayer, salvation belongs to the lord Hmm. yeah he's not he he knows what he's he's a prophet of god he knows his bible he knows his bible he's allowed to pray Hmm. but that doesn't necessarily tell us anything about his character demons said that jesus was the christ right it doesn't really tell us anything (laughs) about their character the fact that he's praying okay so i think that makes sense so could i word it this way Would would it be fair to say that at the very least this is an honest prayer for salvation but he's doing it on behalf of himself yeah he was sent to to go save other nations and he was faithless but to save himself he knows how to be faithful yeah he he can ask for mercy for himself this is a genuine like all-out prayer yeah and he means every word of it but it is for himself yeah which is an irony because he was supposed to be praying and advocating and interceding for the nations and he failed to do so and he let me just read a couple lines. Okay, about okay. Like, let's let's lean into the sincere part All of right. this prayer. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and He answered me out of the belly of Sheol, out of the belly of the de- of death. I cried, and You heard my voice, for You ca- for You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the flood surrounded me. And then He quotes Psalm forty two: Your billows and your waves pass over me. I'm driven away from Your sight, but again I shall look upon Your holy temple. So, this is. Psalmonic. Yeah. It's like this is exact, feels just like the psalm. The psalm's David, a faithful king, prays to God, explains his circumstances, explains him being persecuted by Saul as being in the belly of death or, you know, on the yeah. verge of death. And he says, but I know my God is faithful. Right. Like, why, why is that important that this is pulling on the psalm's tradition? Oh. You know, like, why is that important here? I don't is, know. Is that heightening the irony? Perhaps. That, like, the songs of ascent, the songs for deliverance, the the songs of lament. Mm-hmm. He's pulling on all of those, um, but doing them in a more selfish way. Or is it supposed to? Are we supposed to see it that it's even to a faithless Jonah? Mm-hmm. God is uh, offensively merciful because he'll he will he'll hear this prayer and save him. Yeah, I'm like why is it important that he prays psalms? I don't know. Yeah. I haven't asked that question. Why? Like why? Well, maybe the. More interesting question is why did Jonah decide to write his prayer as a psalm? Mm. I don't know if that's more interesting. Right. That's what made me think. I think maybe 
it's just the common, it could just be the common way that the prophets and leaders of Israel. This is how people prayed. This is how people prayed. This is how they right. recorded their thoughts and wrote it down. Obviously, Jonah is incredibly well orchestrated and organized and very thoughtful. So mm. it makes sense to me that Jonah would write a prayer based on the Psalms that yeah. he, he knew and grew up around. Yeah, I also have heard someone say, um, like, why was Jesus quoting Psalms on the cross? You know, mm. like I get that he was yeah. fulfilling prophecy. I get right. that. But I heard one person say, I'm not advocating it or not, but it's just like, man, whenever you're in total distress, mm. um, the things that are just memorized mm. and you don't have to think about just flow out. Right. You're going to pray very old, almost cliche prayers mm-hmm. whenever you can't think of anything original. Yeah. And it's like, oh, maybe he's just pressed down and mm-hmm. nothing nothing else can come to mind that's yeah. very original. So he just starts pulling on all his psalms. Yeah. Uh, I think that's that could be part of yeah, it. I, I also think, again, like Jonah is faithful to Israel. He's faithless towards God, uh-huh. but he still has hope for himself and for his people. He still hopes that God would be faithful to Israel, preserve her national identity, make sure Assyria is judged for her evil. And he hopes that God will be faithful to his promises to Israel and probably to say to Israel alone, Mm. right? Yeah. Like he is a faithless prophet because he refuses to be a prophet to all the nations and to preach God's blessing to all the nations, but he's still a prophet. Mm. He still has enough knowledge about what God is like to ask for mercy even if he's unwilling to extend it to other people. Right. I mean, it is interesting to compare his repentance mm-hmm. in the psalm with the other two. Oh, sorry. This isn't repentance. Sorry. Yeah. He never repents. His he's, prayer. His prayer. Let me rephrase. Yeah. Yes. It's interesting to compare his prayer with those mm-hmm. uh, of repentance uh, of the sailors and what we'll see in the in the Assyrians. That's right. Because the pr- yeah. they're short or un, unnamed almost. Mm-hmm. Um, the Assyrian doesn't even know God's name. Yeah, he just uses Elohim. He doesn't know the covenant name of God of Israel, of the God of Israel. Yeah. Um, and and it's just like they're very unceremonious, but they're completely mm-hmm. heartfelt. And his follows all the right mm-hmm. like um, rules yeah. for a good Israelite prayer. Yeah, he's pulling on the Psalms. It's a, it's like a high prayer. You know, it's like a priestly prayer. It's a Davidic prayer. Yeah. Uh, It's the right prayer to pray. That's interesting. You know, and and compare that, because if we're supposed to compare Jonah and the Mm -hmm. Gentiles the whole time, then let's compare their prayers. Yeah. His are like super awesome. Yeah. And he ends up kind of being the bad guy in the story. It reminds me of the story of the The Pharisee, Pharisee, the tax collector. uh Thank God I'm not like these people. (laughs) And then what did Jesus say? Don't come to me with long prayers Mm. like the Gentiles do. Right. Just come to the Father. Yeah. Heavenly Father. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Yes. Which is very similar to what the Assyrian will pray. Right. Yeah. So it is interesting Mm. that... So are you? do you think that this... I think a lot of people come to this prayer and assume this is evidence he's a good guy. Right. More like right? But it seems like you're saying like no 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 like it seems to what we know of him so far this can't be sincere. This can't be evidence that he's had a change of heart. Do you think he's had a change of heart? What do you think's happening I don't in know. this psalm? The hard part is when we open up chapter 3, mm-hmm. we're going to see that the God gives him his call again and he goes. Yeah. Now he goes very half-heartedly 
Yes. He does not go well. He does not obey well. By the time he gets there, he preaches a five-word sermon in right. Hebrew. Yes. So he, he, he And doesn't preach mercy or grace. He just said, in yeah. 40 days, Nineveh will be overturned. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, so it, it doesn't seem like a big change of heart. In fact, I think we'll talk about this in chapter 3. There's a way to read that prayer that is not, probably not the message that God wanted him to give at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God uses it ironically. Anyway. So maybe not. Maybe he hasn't yeah. had a change of heart. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't It doesn't sound... He doesn't apologize for anything. No. He, he complains about... He says God is his hope. He yep. says God is his salvation. And he knows that he's down in the dumps. Yeah. He is... He knows that God is still sovereign. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, he's trying to run away from his temple yeah. in chapter one. Right? Because he knows that he's strong and powerful. Uh, when God finds him in the storm... He knows that if he gets thrown into the sea, the storm will stop because he believes God controls the storm. And then God sends the fish and he knows who sent the fish. God did. So like he, he's a Hebrew. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. not faithless. He's not godless. And so for him to pray a prayer of help me, God, get me out of this fish, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's repentant. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting. I think what's more interesting now that I'm thinking about it is that a second ago he had a death wish. Yeah. And now he wants to live. Yeah. That's the bigger transformation. Right. He and then he's going to want to die again in chapter four. <laughs> yeah. Which part of me just feels like that's so human. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, God, I would rather die than preach the gospel to the Assyrians. Okay, I, I didn't really, really mean, mean it, it, God. This, this really sucks like, in here. I really don't like the fact that seaweed is wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountain and the land, the bars, the land close. Like, okay, this God, is not, the reality of death is not as cool as I, I would like. Yeah. I would like some resurrection. Can now. I get out, please? Yeah. yeah. I think that's interesting. Yep. I think maybe what would help us here is verse seven. So verse seven feels out of place to me. So in a, um, mm. not verse seven, sorry, mm. uh, but verse eight. In okay. ver- and I guess verse seven and eight. But you have a psalm asking God for help. And then in verse eight, you have uh, seven, Jonah comparing himself as a faithful person. When my life was fading away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Mm. But those who pay regard to vain idols, they forsake their hope of steadfast love but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. Mm. Okay. He's in the belly of a fish. He's making promises of future sacrifices. And he's saying so far that the people who have offered sacrifices and have made vows like he's promising to forfeit God's mercy and love. Or don't forfeit. What are you saying? He's saying those who pay regard to vain idols, they forsake their hope of steadfast love. Right. He's saying pagans don't deserve God's mercy. Right. I'm like, okay, but we know pagans just received God's mercy. Yes. Right? The sailors right, yeah, in the boat. Up above. They made vows. They made sacrifices. They received God's mercy. Mm-hmm. He is promising to do something in the future and saying it's impossible for pagans to do something that's already happened and something that we're t- never told he does. Mm. Dude, I think I just confused myself, but does that make sense? Yeah, what you're saying is he's saying that people who worship Yahweh... Mm-hmm. deserve salvation those who worship idols forsake all hope of salvation right yeah what's fascinating is he's the one in the belly of the fish and, and pagans are the ones <laughs> saved exper- saved on the, on the shore <laughs> yes it's really interesting <laughs> it's hilarious it's hilarious and then god in response to all this vomits him on the shore yes that's the prayer and what happens here mm-hmm. 
why is this in the book might be the best question. Why is answer. this prayer in the book? What, what are we as readers making all these connections to Israel at that time? Yeah. Why is this prayer recorded in the book that seems kind of half-hearted, seems to admit that God could rescue, but still holds out some like animosity towards the pagans? Why mm. is this in the book? Yeah. Well, I mean, we have to go back to what we set up a little bit uh, last week in, in chapter one, which is who is reading this book whenever it was coming out? You know, like what was the audience of this of this book thinking and experiencing when they were reading it? And we have to remember that the the people eating this book up mm-hmm. and who it really seems to have in mind in its aim and intention were the Jews living in exile. That you had the Assyrian army came and conquered the northern ten tribes of Israel, mm-hmm. just called Israel. Yeah, and then and remember Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, of which, and that's this story. That's this that, story. These were these people. Yeah, uh, but this is but the story happens before Assyria ends up coming and completely conquesting Israel. Uh, but then you have years later Babylon coming and taking Jerusalem over, mm-hmm. um, and the two tribes there, the southern kingdom, and um, you you can imagine. Um, reading this story, we've talked about mm-hmm. reading this story would be really offensive is what we mm-hmm. talked about last week if you were in exile uh, because you're like... You're in a, you're these, in a Syrian death camp. Right. God's going to show mercy to my captors? No, I don't want that to happen. Right. Yeah, it's like uh, Babylon just completely wrecked the temple and now God's going to save them for it. It's like, mm-hmm. wait, what? No, that's mm-hmm. super offensive. Um, but there's something else going on here that mm-hmm. we have to jump deep into the waters of the Old Testament to okay. kind of understand. And Wait, that, yeah. So before you jump mm-hmm. then, so what you're saying is that Jonah mm-hmm. in the belly of the fish is like Israel in exile. Yeah, that's where I, uh, those are the deep waters I'm about oh, to that's jump a, in. Oh, that's, that's, that's the, the deep waters. So, so yeah. that's, but that's the easiest way to say it right yes. there. Say it again. So Jonah in the belly of the fish is a metaphor for or a picture mm-hmm. of Israel in the belly of exile. Yes, I haven't proven that point yet. Yes. Uh, but yes, that's where we're going. And you just, but in the story so far, mm-hmm. you have a character who's supposed to be the prophet of Israel hating God's enemies, but it's supposed to be a purveyor of the covenant of Abraham to bless the nations. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have like in the story itself, seeds of this idea yes. that Jonah is a type of Israel right. failing to extend mercy to the nations they know God wants to save. Yes. Okay. So now what we have to see is there are two main metaphors that if you were a Hebrew reader, especially when in exile, you your alarm bells would be going off knowing okay. that Jonah in the belly of the fish proves that that is you in exile. Mm-hmm. And that, number one, is the going down. To, oh. go, to go down is to be away from the temple. And he keeps right. talking about the temple. He keeps yep. saying, I will again see your temple. I mean, if you were mm-hmm. a, a, a Jew in exile, you know, like, and the temple's been destroyed, mm-hmm. to see a prayer that says, I will again look mm-hmm. at your temple is mm-hmm. a huge faith-filled prayer. Right. Because there's not even a temple. Right. It's not, it's got to right. be rebuilt and then God's presence has to fill it again. And so like, that's okay. a, that's a huge right. thing. Yeah. So they, so as Jonah goes down and down and down and down away from the up, which is Israel, uh-huh. which is the temple of God, he's getting farther and farther away. Well, they are. We're told in the Old Testament that they go down into exile. Mm, that same word. Same down word. They go down used. into exile. Mm. And um, what the point that is being made here in the fish is that the um, distance is exacerbated in this story. In that you guys crossed a few geopolitical lines over mm. to Babylon from Israel, right. 
what if we took somebody into the utter darkness at the bottom of the depths of the ocean where still today yeah. the most unexplored territory on earth yeah. is the ocean and like and, we'll, and then and so that that's that's one is like oh man if god is if, if i yeah, can yeah. pray from god if jonah can pray from god in the belly of the fish at the bottom of the ocean i can pray to god when i'm down in the belly of exile it's a prayer. It's supposed to be a hopeful chapter in this book. It's like, yeah, for, yeah, exactly right. Just as Jonah was vomited out of the fish yes. from death, right. the realm of Sheol, right. you can be vomited out of yes. uh, Assyria. Well, yeah, that, that's the hope of verse 10. Yeah. The, the, the call to, to Israel in, in verses 2 to 9 is to pray, mm. <laughs> uh, is to, to hold out faith, to be faithful, to beckon and and beg god to act again yeah and they are given psalmonic prayers all throughout especially the last mm-hmm. 50 uh like the, the, the prayers psalms, yeah. psalms um that, like and even more like mm-hmm. that are calling them back into the land that were written in exile yeah. and so maybe that's a reason why it was written as a psalm yeah is to be like you guys have psalms to pray mm-hmm. in exile pray them so you're so I love this idea of going down mm-hmm. being a picture of Israel going down into exile. Right. That's that's one proof that it's Babylon. And so the other proof is that it's a fish. Yeah, and what kind of fish? Yeah. Um so let me just go with fish. Yeah. And then we'll expand from there. Great. So when other prophets describe the exile of Israel. Mm-hmm. They describe it like a swallowing by a monster of the deep. That's right. So Amos 9.3, so a contemporary yep. of Jonah, son of Amittai, he says, they, um, though they hide from my eyes at the bottom of the sea, there I will command my, pe- my serpent to bite them. Mm-hmm. So he imagines Israel's disobedience Disobedient Israel trying to hide from God at the bottom of the sea, which is maybe what Jonah was trying to do. Yes. And God says, no, even there, I will bite them with my serpent. Yep. Eat, yeah, put them in my mouth. Yep. This is what happened in, to, to Jonah. In Jeremiah 34, this is how he describes Babylon's devouring of Israel. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has devoured us like a serpent. He has swallowed us and filled his stomach with our delicacies and then has spewed us out yes and then in second chronicles just historically when the king of assyria came to Mm. israel one the assyrian army's god was named dagon and it was half fish Mm. and so much of their like battle warfare was around fish imagery Mm -hmm. so when they come to israel they take a giant fish hook Right. Throw it through yes. the king's nose and drag him out of Israel like a fish. Mm. And apparently the Assyrian army would do this as a matter of course and take the, the big fish hook and poke it through the, the throat, not the throat, but the bottom of the chin and mm. out through their mouth mm. and drag them like a like fish in a net. So like, this is like all imagery used to describe Assyria. Yeah. So the point here. The point. The, the, the point, sharp, the, sharp, the sharp, sorry, sorry, the point the was like the idea that Jonah is 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 representative of Israel in exile mm-hmm. is not is backed up by all the prophets. Yes, they all imagine Assyria or the exile being like a swallowing by a great fish. Yes, and that even the the nation of Assyria is like a giant fisherman mm-hmm. bringing them out of the water. Yes, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is the prophetic image that has been 
set up by all the prophets that Jonah is now incarnating in himself. So yeah, we're 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 supposed to see Israel in exile when we yeah. see Jonah in the fish. Yeah. And so if you've ever wondered mm-hmm. why on earth did God send a fish to swallow Jonah? Why is a man in a fish in the Bible at all? Mm-hmm. It's this very reason. And so like What's the reason? That is because it's a picture of Israel uh, in exile. Uh, I thought you were going to go a different direction. Oh, we'll get to the craziness. The uh, the picture because God being in control. Oh no! I thought yeah. But uh, yes. But yeah, I just want to I want to flag like yeah. I- anytime you're weirded out by this story, or if it's anyone like, is ever like, why your, bi- your Bible's not weirded out by it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like no, it's actually your Bible's being very consistent mm-hmm. that this is a lived parable mm-hmm. um, of a prophetic metaphor. Yeah, that. Israel's prophets always said that Israel's going to be taken into exile Mm -hmm. and that will be like being swallowed by a fish. Yeah. And so now you have Israel in Jonah being swallowed by a fish. Yeah. That's that's the deal. That's it. Yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, it's also to show, well, let's stay on fish real quick because there's a bigger theme yeah. Being, being like, does this go back to Jesus? Oh, oh, I mean, I was going back to Genesis. Oh, yeah, we can go there too. Uh, but yes. So in Genesis, yes. I think I know where you're going with yeah. this. I have not succeeded in predicting where you're <laughs> you going not, so far. But I bet you'll get this one. But I think so. Whenever God creates the waters, yes, the first thing He creates, the first creature He creates, right? Yep, the first creature that uh, He makes the world, and uh-huh. the first creature He creates is the great fish, the great sea creature. This, and it's not fishies. No, it's not, singular, it, right? It's singular, yeah. and it's the the sea monsters. He oh, creates yeah. like Leviathan. Yeah, like he creates the sea the sea the creature. sea creature, the most powerful force in the ocean. Yeah, is the first thing he creates. Right, and that is very um, intentional mm-hmm. in Genesis because all the other creation myths of that day, you had. Um, whatever God was creating, going to create the world or be sovereign over it or whatever, or exerting his dominance, he had to go first do battle with the sea creature. That's right. And it was in conquering the sea creature, in subduing it or putting it in its place or whatever, that he then had the right to uh, bring peace to the chaotic waters mm-hmm. of the world and establish an inhabitable place. So the first thing God does <laughs> is make the sea yeah. where the chaotic sea monster lives and then creates the sea monster. Yeah. He doesn't Cre- battle him. He made him. He made, yeah, it's like, and he makes it, period. period. Done. Done. The gods of the world have nothing on. Right, so then go back to what you were saying about God being in control. That's right. the whole point. Yes. Is that God doesn't have to do battle with the sea creature. The sea creature obeys God. Mm-hmm. It's That's under right. God's command. Yes. And so he prepares, yep. is the word in Jonah here, the sea, the sea monster, the Leviathan, to go and grab Jonah up. Why? Mm-hmm. Because it's God's servant, which is yeah. just cool. Yeah. This which is, is also ironic in a second. Why? Because uh, you have Jonah, a chosen prophet of God, who does not obey but Leviathan oh. does. Oh. <laughs> it's like the great sea creature, which no one can subdue. Yeah. Simply obeys God. Right. But Jonah, little prophet, won't. Mm, it's like total irony. Really interesting. Anyway. And to back up this understanding of this giant sea monster, emblematic of the chaos mm-hmm. of the world. That's how Jesus refers to the story in Matthew 12. Yes. He doesn't call, he he calls it some authors 
we'll put the word fish in Jesus' mouth, but mm. not Matthew. He uses the word kratos, right. which is the word monster, the creature. So crazy. And the idea he's pulling on is that the fish isn't just about a fish. Right. It's about God's control over the chaotic mass that has come against his people. And in Jesus' day, the kratos was Rome. In yeah. Jonah's day, the kratos was Assyria. Mm-hmm. And the creation of the world the mythological Kratos was all the other gods that God subdues by creating the Kratos. Like the point is God is in control in the middle of the beast of chaos Mm. and he can redeem his people out of it. That's right. And so, and that's the point uh, is if you were the, if you were Israel in exile at this point, if you were a Jew in Babylon or an Israel in Assyria and you're reading this story, this story comes to you, and you are in the belly of the beast. Mm-hmm. You have been swallowed by Assyria. You've been swallowed by Babylon. You are there, and like you are literally surrounded by Sheol, the grave. Mm-hmm. Death is surrounding you. You are cut off from the temple, cut off from God, cut off from your land. There's no hope. Like you feel like verse uh, verse eight that you you have yeah. forever been forsaken from hope in God's steadfast love, and Jonah comes to you in this strange mixed bag of of Jonah 2 and says, hey, no matter who you are, mm-hmm. even if you've been running from God, mm-hmm. you know, even if you haven't been the ideal yeah. Israelite, you know, even like Jonah. if you are swallowed by chaos and itself. Then, yeah, and then even if you are a terrible person and you've been swallowed by chaos itself out in Babylon and mm-hmm. Assyria, you can still pray for deliverance. Yeah. And you have a whole grab bag of prayers to do so with. Yeah. The Psalms. Yeah. Pray the Psalms back to me mm-hmm. and I will hear. And then verse 10, what is the promise? The promise is an ironic one. It's that the the fish comes and vomits mm-hmm. Jonah back out on the land. Mm-hmm. And that's ironic because it is God who originally vomited Israel out of the promised land in, in fulfillment of uh, of, a, yeah. of a covenant he made in Leviticus. Yeah, in Leviticus 18, we're told that if Israel disobeys God, mm-hmm. like Jonah, like Jonah did, <laughs> they will be vomited out of Israel and into exile. Mm-hmm. It uses the word vomited. So the fact that you have the same, a disobedient representative <laughs> Jew, Israelite, swallowed Jonah, by an, another nation, uh, and then, yep. but vomited out into resurrection, it's actually a picture of hope that out right. of the nation that the chaotic waters of Assyria or Rome or disobedience God can bring resurrection and bring them out again right even to disobedient and I think yeah. it's also it's not only hope it's also a commission because the 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 prophets not only predicted the day when Israel would go into exile right yeah. they, they did but then they also predicted their homecoming yeah and they would come oh, back I see and who would come with them the nations, the nations would come with them. that that they were exiled in. Mm-hmm. They would come and worship too. And so Jonah is this prototypical fulfillment mm. of Israel's prophets, like that he mm. would go, be vomited out into the land yep. of the Assyrians, mm-hmm. preach the good news, mm-hmm. and that they would repent and come back with him to the temple. Mm. That's not how the story shakes out, but that's the hope that's it the represents. Hope. And so, if you were a Jew in exile reading this story. You you would you would go. That is my call: is yeah. to not only have hope that God will restore me, mm-hmm. that I will be vomited back out of Babylon and put back yeah. into Israel, but that I am supposed to do what Jonah was called to do: yeah, to preach 
God's mm-hmm. grace to those around me, mm-hmm. even though they're my enemies. Yeah. Yeah. I love the book, Jonah. Yeah. So that already feels very good newsy. Mm-hmm. Because it is good news. Yeah, definitely. God's people are not just the Jews, not just Israel, but mm. all people. Yeah. And Jesus came first to the Jews so that they might preach the gospel to all nations and we join it, which is what happened with Simon Bar-Jonah and right. Paul and everybody else. Yeah. It's good news. Yeah. Um, I remember last time, uh, last week, you, you talked about uh, wanting to talk a little bit more about the three days yes. uh, that he was in the fish versus Jesus's three days that he was in the tomb. What did what'd you want to talk about? Well, I mean, so Jesus says that he is a greater sign than Jonah mm. and that he his three days in the belly of the earth, three days under the thumb of Roman power would be the way that he provides salvation for all people in the same way that Jonah led to a revival of Nineveh yeah. in um uh, led to a revival of Nineveh. So I think in the same way that the fish is a sign of coming judgment against those who reject or refuse God's call, mm. the I think we have to live with that as a sign of judgment too. We've been talking about God's mercy a lot, so I was just thinking yeah, yeah, about yeah. like Jesus's death was a sign of God's judgment against sin. Yeah. In the same way that the swallowing of the fish was a sign of God's judgment against Noah's disobedience, right? Jonah. Jonah, yeah. Jonah's disobedience. Yeah. And so Jesus' death is a symbol of against our disobedience. Okay, but j- I got to stop there. Yeah. Because I that threw me for a loop, but I okay. think you're right. So you, you're saying that the whale... Sorry. Not the, the whale, the Kratos. The Kratos, the, <laughs> the fish. The fish. The fish is a sign of judgment. Yeah. I mean, because it was in the mm-hmm. prophets that we've been talking yeah, about. Yeah, Assyria coming and swallowing the nations was a sign, a judgment sign of judgment for, for disobedience. I've always thought of the fish as a sign of salvation. Oh, it's both. Because he was drowning. Yeah. And this fish came and kept him from dying oh. in the water. But in a, in a way, I've never meditated on it being a judgment uh-huh. because for Jonah, what did he want to do? Not go to Assyria. Mm-hmm. He would rather have died than see Assyria come to faith. Yeah. Right? Right. And so for God to preserve his life against his will mm-hmm. and beyond that, take him back in the opposite direction away from Tarshish mm-hmm. and back toward Nineveh and vomit him out on the shores of Nineveh and the Assyrian Empire so that he would be forced to proclaim an ironic message of salvation yeah. is judgment against Jonah. Mm-hmm. Jonah is judged by being swallowed by the fish. It's a judgment against Israel for failing to live up to their covenant commitments. Right, yeah, I, I get yes. that one. Yes, yes. But I never thought about it with jo- it being yeah. a judgment of Jonah. Yeah. Okay, so go back to when you were talking about, when you read this as a kid. Yeah. You said, you said. Story about disobedience. Yeah, you said, obey God or you'll be swallowed by a fish. Did you, you actually like had a category in your in your childhood yeah. head that, that Jonah being swallowed by the fish was judgment? I guess so. Man, I, I, I think I've always thought of it as like, him being thrown into the water was judgment. Yeah. And then the fish was salvation. Right. Yeah. I guess I hadn't thought about that. I've just assumed it was always punishment for disobedience. Weird. And but I'm sure there's I'm sure there's both perspectives out yeah, there. Yeah, and I mean it's it is both. It, it's both. And there and we're gonna see that that's it's a, salvation yeah. for Jonah from certain death in the ocean. Right. It is salvation for Nineveh. It's 
but it's also judgment, which is also exactly what the cross of Jesus Christ is. Mm. It is both a moment of judgment and salvation. It is a judgment for human evil, but salvation for human sinners. Mm. Like right? Like it's mm-hmm. both things simultaneously. Yeah. No matter how sinful, no right. matter how deep into the belly of darkness you are, Jesus saves us right. by going into the belly of the fish for us. So that so yeah, to go back to the point you were making before yeah. I got my mind blown by the fish being judgment, you were saying that the fish swallowing is judgment. Mm-hmm. And since Jesus says, I too will be swallowed by mm-hmm. not Leviathan, right? Right, but the the power behind mm-hmm. some kind of evil, chaotic mm-hmm. sea monster, yeah. death itself, sin yeah. itself, the evil power in this world itself right. will swallow me up, not just into some metaphor of Sheol, mm-hmm. but to the actual depths mm-hmm. of the earth, that yeah. he is going into judgment Mm-hmm. in our place yeah i mean which is what was teed up for us in chapter one when yeah. jonah was thrown overboard for the mm-hmm. sake of the sailors mm-hmm. jesus goes into the judgment of our death yeah for this for our sake yeah he goes in does battle with the kratos yeah like the way the mythological powers used to depi- depict it like jesus does that yeah but he wins yeah i mean it's amazing i mean you you think about yeah the mythological powers used to picture this battle that had to take place to bring life Mm -hmm. where some God, lowercase G God had to come and do battle with the Kratos Mm -hmm. had to come do battle with the sea monster in order to bring peace and life Mm -hmm. and vibrancy to the earth. Um, But Jesus knows, and and we all know that the ultimate force of Mm -hmm. evil and chaos in the world is death. Yeah. Like death surrounds everything it's Mm -hmm. the thing that we're most afraid of it's the thing that we do the most to avoid it's the the worst part of any movie you know like and it's the ultimate consequence of sin yeah Yeah. jesus goes and does battle with it but then he raises up Mm -hmm. is vomited out of the grave in resurrection and wins yeah and he now has sovereignty not over a fish or yeah. a, a sea monster. He is now Lord of the dead. Mm-hmm. He now has rule and reign and dominion, not over the depths of the ocean only, but over the life, grave itself, life and death. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I heard one commentator say like, Jesus gave death indigestion. Jesus <laughs> gave death indigestion. <laughs> I couldn't stop thinking about it. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So three days, three nights in the belly of fish. He defeats the powers. Yeah. And he rises up out of it to prove, like Jonah proved to Israel in exile, to prove to us as people in mm. exile under death and sin that through him there is salvation. In his message, yeah. as in Jonah's message, there is a way to raise up out of our death and return home. Okay. So that's the... That's chapter two. I think that's chapter two. All right. I'm still spinning. What's great about Jonah is that I feel like what I love about the shorter books that we do yeah. is like when there's only four chapters, I feel like I can get my whole head around it right. and start being like, I think I understand the way they all <laughs> flow together. Um, and I love this book because it just plays with so many of your assumptions, mm. turns things on its head. There's irony upon irony. Like, wait, so does that make does the double irony make a truth? Like, right. Like, yeah, exactly. And it's like, I think it does. And I just love like getting lost in it. Um, oh man. Okay. So then, yeah. so next week, chapter three will be 
Jonah's message to the Assyrians and their response. Yes, that's okay. right. And the it's it's a and it's a parallel of chapter one. That's so right of the, the sailors on the boat. That's right. Okay. Well, thank you guys for joining us. This yeah. has been fun. Excited for chapter three. So we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.